It's time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studio. On Classic Hits 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Rotor Rooter. Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By MJ Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Poly By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Ropey Corporation. And now. Let's go to Lance and Matt. Coming to you live from the Fricker Studio for the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you once again. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night for this edition of the show. Matt, how are we doing? Matt, I'll tell you what, doing pretty good. It was a a wonderful birth miss weekend for me. Um, quite, quite, quite a good time. Calvert moving on to the state semifinals, some good football action across the board. I nearly won a phenomenal 10 leg parlay that y'all would have never heard from me again. Cause I'd be in Palm Springs with all my new friends at that point, but, uh, didn't work out. Thanks a lot to the jets on that one for <laughs> dropping the ball, but that's, man, I'm doing that's, good. That's, uh, that's your fault. You can't bet on the jets in that scenario. <laughs> I was, I was betting on scoring for the jets. I wasn't betting on the jets to win. And no, I did bet on the jets to win. I was really <laughs> hoping Staley was going to drop the ball on Monday or yeah, Monday night. I'm sorry. I know it's your team. I'm sorry. I was counting on them to drop the ball. I mean, they didn't. Staley didn't have to do much if we're being honest. He really did. He just had to, you know, convert oxygen to carbon dioxide Monday night. But yeah, yeah, that one hurt a little bit. That 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 one stunned a little bit. So needless to say, I didn't win. So I'm here. <laughs> I'm very excited. Should be a great show for you guys tonight. And honestly, just a phenomenal week of broadcasting and sports ahead of you guys. It's the the this is where it gets so much fun. This is really where it just gets so much fun. We got ourselves a state bound team. We got regional semifinal action for playoffs. I mean, for football, it's just, you get, just get after it. This is a great week of sports ahead of us. On this edition of the NWO orthopedics sports huddle, we'll talk of course with Kevin Harris meet at midfield along with the comeback awful announcing the Buckeyes got the win last week against Rutgers. They take on Michigan state this Saturday. We'll talk with Lori Romback, head coach at Calvert for their volleyball program. The Seneca's clinched their third ever regional title, earning the right to head to Wright State. They'll play in the state semis on Friday. They take on Canton Central Catholic. We'll also talk with Brian Calatrulio from Hopewell Loudon Football. The Chieftains continue to roll through the postseason, beating Pandora Gaboa 33-2-3. They face off with Patrick Henry at Bowling Green Friday night. And we'll talk with Brandon Carter from Ottawa Hills Football. The Green Bears got a big win last week, taking down Colonel Crawford in the second round of the postseason. They face off with Bluffton Friday night at Napoleon. And we might not be at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Tonight, get their sirloin steak dinner. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at Frickers.com. 
Facebook.com. And also, as Matt alluded to, we have quite the weekend on tap for our coverage of high school sports. Friday, we'll have high school volleyball and football action. On Classic Hits, we'll have coverage of the Tiffin Calvert volleyball matchup. They'll be in the state semifinals where they will take on Canton Central Catholic. Josh Morgan and I will have that one for you Friday on Classic Hits 96.7. And on WFOB, we'll continue our coverage of Hopewell Loud and playoff football. They'll be in the regional semifinals taking on Patrick Henry. Matt Common and Tom Grind will have that one for you from Bowling Green. That'll be on Friday night just before 7 o'clock on WFOB. And then Saturday, we hope to have more coverage of Calvert Volleyball. If they're able to win on Friday, they would play for a state title on Saturday night. They are the last game at the Nutter Center at Wright State on Saturday if they do, in fact, advance to the state title matchup. And we hope to have that one with Matt Common and myself on Saturday if, again, they win on Friday. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, awful announcing, and the comeback here on the NWO Orthopedics. Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. At Blanchard Valley Health System, we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals. We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. Jobs are available in clinical and support services. We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're here for you. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if Auto Owners makes sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you tonight. The Ohio State Buckeyes get the win against Rutgers. This week they take on Michigan State. You can hear Buckeye football all season long on WFOB. We're now pleased to be joined by Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing here in the Frickers Zoom room. And Kevin, the Buckeyes get the win over Rutgers, even if there were uh, naturally some uh, struggles in that opening half. Actually, we're down at halftime. What were some of your uh, big takeaways from last week's game? Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a slow start. Um, I think especially on the offensive side of the ball, I think the passing game struggled to get going a little bit, which I mean, to be fair, Rutgers is secondary is legitimately very good. Um, one of the better secondaries that Ohio State's going to play this year, uh, whether or not people want want to believe that's true. Um, but I mean, it, it it just took a second for Ohio State to get going. Um, I think the way that they were playing at the end of the game was more indicative of what people thought and hoped it was going to be. Um, obviously, there were some struggles. Uh, Kyle McCord had a pretty bad interception in the first half. Uh, I thought he bounced back fine in the second half. There were some drops that just a lot was just not cohesive on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I thought the defense played great from, from start to finish, but um, you know, there were, there were some small issues on the offensive side of the ball, but at the end of the day, like they finished with, uh, you know, it was 35 points, but 28 of them were from um, the offense. So it was, it was one of those days where it seems like the theme of this year's team is much more. Um, the defense is going to keep you in the game until the offense kind of comes alive. And, based on the playmakers that Ohio state has on the offensive side of the ball with 
uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Travion Henderson, and, you know, Mecca Abuka, um, guys across, I mean, Cardinal Ted even had a great game. Like, th- there's enough playmakers that, like, the offense is going to get its points eventually as long as the defense can keep it in these games for as long as it needs. And that's kind of what we saw on Saturday. So, Kevin, my traditional takeaway is we're doomed. Clearly, we're doomed. There, there, we, we are absolutely doomed. Yeah, just all Kane aside. Not the best performance overall. I know you mentioned the defense. I mean, they did step up, and the offense will get their points, as it were. I, I guess for a matchup like this, though, I mean, Greg Schiano, head coach at Rutgers, did coach at Ohio State for a little bit. He has a history with the Rutgers program. Is what Was that game really just slow start, a mix of – Shiano kind of knowing what Ohio State was going to come at them with, or just a little bit of matchup problems for Ohio State, or was it the worst case scenario? Maybe we saw in the first half what this team potentially could look like, and that's not a good thing. I thought I thought Rutgers schemed Ohio State really well, and not even just from like a like X's and O's like run the right place uh, perspective, but Rutgers realized that like the only way they were really going to get yardage is small chunks on the ground or like kind of dump passes and stuff like that with the way that Ohio State plays on defense. And just like you kind of saw against Indiana um, earlier this season and Notre Dame did it actually much more successfully, they really just tried to run the ball, milk the clock, and keep Ohio State's offense off the field as much as possible. And that really worked for the first half. I think Ohio State only had like a handful of possessions on the in the first half. Um you know, if you're moving the sticks and you're keeping Ohio State's offense off the field, um, you know, Ohio State can't like bury you in points or anything like that. And it keeps you in the game. Um, I think had Rutgers been able to turn some of those red zone opportunities into touchdowns instead of field goals, then Ohio State might have been a little more nervous. But, you know, I, I don't as bad as it was, Rutgers was never really like threatening Ohio State. Um, it was just a matter of like turning it into a, um, you know, kind of just like a little defensive slugfest for a little bit there. Um, obviously Ohio state came alive in the second half and, um, did get its points. Uh, the defense had that pick six, um, and made a few stops too. And like really on the, on the Rutgers end, like their only real big play was on that really fun, uh, fumble Ruski play on fourth down that like, that was, that was their only big chunk play that they, they really had all game. So it's not like they were consistently hurting Ohio state on that side of the ball either. It was just. They were able to hold the ball. They ran clock. Um, and because of that and the mistakes Ohio State made in the first half, um, Ohio State was trailing at the half. So that is a problem. Um, teams willingly holding the ball and Ohio State can't get off the field like that. That is a problem um, that happened against Indiana. Uh, Notre Dame almost won doing that uh, essentially the entire second half. They had those two long touchdown drives that took a ton of time off the clock. Um, and, you know, like I, I thought that that was going to be a problem, honestly, since that Indiana game um, for this Ohio State defense needing to get off the field and the offense needing to score early. Um, and, you know, it, it didn't really come back to bite them against Penn State, but I think hypothetically Michigan has this talent to do exactly what Notre Dame did. So we'll see what happens there. That's really the only game that Ohio State's going to conceivably lose the rest of the season. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios talking with Kevin Harris, Ryder from Meet on Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. As you kind of alluded to, Kyle McCord didn't have the best of first halves, but then did uh, did all right in the second half, able to kind of rebound from that bad first half. What did you think of uh, the game he had overall? Yeah, I mean, he 
I don't think it was his worst game. I don't. I, I thought um, that that interception was horrific, to be clear. Um, it was that might have been one of the, his worst throws of his career. But um, I don't think he had a bad game. You know, like there were some drops. Um, I also kind of disagree with the notion that like just because there's drops uh, means that like um, that excuses anything from the quarterback or whatever. Like every offense has drops. It's college football. Like um, I, I don't think that's necessarily like an excuse for the offense. Um, that's at Ohio state has had drops receivers, drop passes for years. Um, so that, it's not a new thing, but he did in that token, he did have some drop passes, um, and that hurt his stat line. But I think like the weird thing for Kyle McCord is I don't have the stats in front of me. Um, I've talked about him on our podcast and stuff like that over at meet at Benfield. But if you look at like the, the first and second half splits of his performances in games, it is like downright insane um, comparing his numbers in the first half compared to his numbers in the second half. This one wasn't the like best example of it um, because I, I mean, he was, he was good in the second half. I think he completed seven out of 10 passes for like 130 yards and, you know, two touchdowns in the second half, which is very good. Um, but his second half stats, like if he played the way that he did in the second half of football games, the entire game, he would be the runaway favorite for the Heisman Trophy. Like, and that's not even hyperbole. Like, his second half stats are just absurdly good. And, like, I've never seen anything like it with a quarterback like that. Like, I don't know if he is just going into the the locker room and um, just, like, you know, readjusting or he just needs a little bit to settle in because it's nothing that changes schematically. Um, It's just, like, in the first half, he's just, like, not hitting his throws, you know? But in the second half, like, he just is throwing the ball better. You know, it's, it's, it's not like it seems like the offense has makes makes some insane uh, schematic adjustments and everything's fixed in the second half. It's just like, he is just a better player in the second half than he is the first half. I've never seen anything like it. Well, speaking of the, you know, tale of two halves from Kyle McCord, uh, uh, a tale of two seasons, I would say it would be from Travion Henderson as well. Another time seeing him out on the field, gained the full, brunt of the workload and a, another big performance from him. It, it, I guess my question is where would you put Travion Henderson in the Ohio state running back Pantheon? Because he seems almost like a, what could have been as opposed to going to eventually go down as one of the all-time greats in Ohio state history. What, what, does that seem like a fair assessment? I mean, another great game. It's just, yeah, I mean, that's why he can't stay. It's just that he can't stay on the field. It seems like, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. He can't stay on the field. Um, and I, we were talking, we were joking on our podcast this week. Like if you're Ohio state, like based on what he's shown these past two games and what he showed against like Notre Dame and stuff like that, like just put the guy on bubble wrap until Michigan, you know, like, <laughs> like just, just, he doesn't need to practice. Don't, you know, give, give Dallin Hayden these next two games and just like, like get, keep him, keep him healthy until Michigan, because like, yeah, he's had some really unfortunate injury luck um, that's cost him a lot of games uh, and really hasn't allowed him to come up with like the or to put up the um, aggregate big numbers that would put him in the conversation as like an all time great Ohio State running back. Like that's 100 percent true. Um, I think based on what we've seen when he's healthy, like this year and as a freshman, um, he had potential to reach that. Um, you know, it's just he hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been able to stay on the field. You know, and, and it's tough to compare yourself to, you know, guys like Eddie George or Archie Griffin or Keith Byers or even like J.K. Dobbins or Ezekiel Elliott more recently. 
or Carlos Hyde, like those guys, like it, it's tough to be in the conversation with all of those guys when like you have like a handful of great games and that's not taking anything away from Trevion Henderson. Like I, it's very clear um, that he is a, a dominant running back. And I think what we've seen the past two games is what Ohio state fans expected from him when he signed and what we got a glimpse of his freshman year. But like, like you're saying, like just based on all the missed games, his most productive season is going to be his true freshman season. You know, like there's no way that he can make up all the production in the next, you know, four or five games to be in the conversation of, uh, of overall numbers, but just in terms of what he brings to the offense, man, like I think, him plus Ohio state kind of switching to a lot of um, gap scheme blocking instead of zone blocking uh, plus what he has shown the past two games, like the running game looks a lot better than it did a few games ago. Um, you know, I, I, I venture to say that it is like a night and day difference at this point. So I, I am very happy with what I've seen from the Ohio state running game uh, with Travion Henderson in the game. Um, he he has been he's always been like kind of that home run threat of a running back where he can you know kind of take it to the house anytime he touches the ball but he has done a lot better in recent weeks of just like your average play where you need him to get you know three to seven yards and he's doing that and finding the hole running the play and you know doing what he needs to do so I've been really impressed with that and like honestly we're talking about Kyle McCord I I think Kyle McCord is a pretty um, low ceiling quarterback at this point. I, I say low ceiling. I, I think he kind of is who he is at this point. And whether or not you think that's good enough um, is kind of besides the point. I think he's the best option Ohio State has. I don't think he's CJ Stroud. I don't think he's um, Justin Fields. But um, when you put him, <clears throat> when you put Kyle McCord in an offense surrounded by playmakers like Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Abuka, and now the way that Travion Henderson is playing, you know, I, I think that it's getting to the point where like Ohio State does have enough proven playmakers where they can win a national title um, this year, even with this offense. Like the offense is hypothetically strong enough with Marvin, with the threat of like a, a Marvin Harrison Jr. and a Travion Henderson that like it, it should be able to put up points at this point. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Classic hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common talking with Kevin Harris, writer for me at midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. Let's take a look at this weekend's game. They take on Michigan State, and to say they've had struggles this season is probably putting it a little lightly with it being 3-6 and six overall. Obviously had the big issue where they ended up firing their head coach Mel Tucker earlier on this season. Aside from those things we already know, what else is there really to know about this uh, Michigan State team? Oh, man, this team is bad. Um, you know, it, it's it is it is to the point that um, that like obviously there's been a, a ton of stuff with the Michigan sign stealing stuff at, at this point at like this week. But it's to the point where it's like it's tough to even focus on the game that's coming up this week with with uh, with how bad Michigan State's performed this week. I think this. I don't quote. No, there's no way this is the biggest spread, but um, Ohio State's favored by 30 points this this week and 29 and a half. Like, that's insane for a game against Michigan State. Um, this team has just been. I, they don't have a quarterback. Their offense just doesn't score points. Their defense is the best part of their team, and it is like average at best. You know, like it's it's like a. a below average power five defense. 
So like it, it is just a brutal, brutal team. I think the most exciting thing about this game is that Ohio State's going to be wearing gray uniforms. So like if that's a reason for you to watch this game, like cool. Um, <laughs> Ohio State should win this game like handily. Like they should they should win this game by like forty points. Um, and like this is this is definitely like a a, a sort of um, reprieve in the middle of the Big Ten slate that they get to play this Michigan State team, which is. You know, I, I, like, I think a lot of people expected a lot of Michigan State fans and stuff like they expected this team to have much more of a pulse than it does. But man, it has been just brutally bad this year. OK, well, since it's really not a game, it's easy to focus on. I'll, I'll ask very quickly, then get to another uh, college football related question. Um, any chance this is a sleeper game for Ohio State? I, I mean, at all whatsoever? No. No, I, I don't know how Ohio State couldn't possibly sleep that much. Like it is <laughs> like I, it and, and to be to be fair, like I I, I say that sleeper day, like to, to Ryan Day's credit, sleeper games have not really existed under Ryan Day. Like that's not really a thing. Um, you can look back at the way that like maybe he some games are closer than others, but like he doesn't lose to unranked teams. He hasn't done it. Um, he might lose those top five matchups. He might not, you know, compete um, it the high level and that's a fair criticism that he has struggled in in big moments but like when when Ohio State is playing a team that it should beat you know that they're going to win that game and I like that that sounds like something you can take for granted um I think a lot of Ohio State fans do but the reality is that that like he he just I, I think that the way that he approaches games in general is a lot like a an NFL coach would approach a game. That's not to say I don't I don't believe Ryan Day is an NFL guy. I think he'd spent a little bit of time in the NFL. Um and like but generally speaking he's a college guy, but I think he approaches the individual games kind of on a, on an NFL level where he every week wants to win the game at hand. He is coaching to win the game at hand. Whereas like coaches like Urban Meyer in the past, you have seen that like they kind of break the the seasons up into like the big games like you spend extra time preparing for Penn State you spend extra time preparing for Michigan um and the games in between are kind of just practice or a chance to um you know reprieve yourself uh between you know those big games and i think that definitely has its its drawbacks when every team is trying their best to beat you and you know you're essentially every team's super bowl and i think you can even look back at to what happened like when Ohio State played Iowa after that uh that big win over Penn State in 2017 the big comeback victory over Penn State like that happens but that ha that has not happened under Ryan Day i don't think Ohio State has those sleepy games um because Ryan Day is intent on winning each individual game and has a unique game plan and um you know has his team ready for each game that he plays, regardless of how terrible the opponent might be. So I, I I don't think that that has been a thing under Ryan Day, and I don't think that's going to be a thing under Ryan Day. So Ohio State should take care of business. Well, then I will ask for a non-Ohio State question, because I am curious your thoughts. Um, you and I have uh, not been secretive about our general non-fandom of Caleb Williams. and. Not that he's a bad player by any means, just you know, overrated and the hype around him was just kind of getting outrageous. I am curious your thoughts on the most recent nonsense 
involving him, and I'm going to call it nonsense because I do think it's kind of silly, about the crying incident after losing to Washington in that in their game. Uh, I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on a player of Caleb Williams' like caliber and also star appeal showing that kind of emotion after a close game like that? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I think it's a relatively non-story, um, both in both regards. I think, like, if anything, I think there is kind of this narrative heading into the season that Caleb Williams, like, didn't care about playing college football because he was going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Like, there was definitely, like, the questions when they lost two games that's like, oh, you know, Caleb Williams should just shut it down, like, uh, opt out of the rest of the season. And if anything, like that sort of thing, like just tells you that he does indeed care about college football and like he wants to win games and he's here to play football. Um, and he's not just like focused on the NFL and like ready to cash out and take his check. So I guess if anything, like that's my takeaway. Other than that, I didn't really have strong thoughts on it. I have strong thoughts on Caleb Williams as a football player. Um, I don't think that he is, uh, I don't think he's anywhere near the can't miss prospect that people seem to think he is. Um, I think that there are very clear red flags with him as a quarterback that um, you want to just like run a system. I don't think that he has proven necessarily capable of doing that at a high level. Um, I don't know if that's Lincoln Riley's fault. I don't know if that's his fault, but he is a, you know, I, I, I've made it pretty clear what I think about Caleb Williams, that he is a, a very good creator is a quarterback but not necessarily a good um quarterback that can operate an offense and stuff like that but um as far as just like the way that he showed emotion after a game I, I don't really have a strong opinion on that aside from I guess it proves that he is still happy to be in college and is enjoying his college experience and cares very much about leading his team to wins and stuff this is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios and Sports Matt Common talking with Kevin Harris Ryder for me at midfield along with the comeback and awful announcing one more thing I have on Michigan state. Obviously we talked about the Mel Tucker drama and all that stuff uh, earlier on, but who are they going to get as their head coach? Because obviously there's plenty of turmoil just in that regard. And, you know, Tucker was very, one of the guys kind of first using the portal to help build that team that granted they were a top 10 team a few years ago, beat Michigan and had the top 10 game against Ohio state before their season kind of crumbled a little bit, but I mean, I know there's been the Urban Meyer rumors and all that sort of stuff too, but who who are they going to target for their uh, for their vacancy? It, well, not Urban Meyer, um, <laughs> to be clear. I, I think, man, I th that is I did not know until about like three weeks ago that that like talk was serious, <laughs> like that that they sincerely thought that Urban Meyer was like an option. Um, so it's not going to be Urban Meyer. I think that'd be really funny if you went to Michigan State. <laughs> Um, but it, it, it's not going to be him. To be honest, I truly don't know. Um, and what makes it even more annoying is like, it seems like all of the people who otherwise would know or have like a good idea or speculation about who Michigan State might hire sincerely believe that they have a chance with Urban Meyer, which just is obviously not going to happen. And so it's hard to even get like intel about the actual coaching search because everyone's focused on like Urban Meyer. And, but I don't know. So I don't have a lot of answers about who they're even targeting or um, who would be um, kind of the target if they don't, when they don't get Urban Meyer. Um, so I, it's, it's not a, it's not a great situation to be in. And 
I think that's a tough, tough job too. Um, I think that's kind of in, it's almost in the territory of like Cincinnati where you just kind of have to accept um, that you're not going to be able to compete with Michigan and Ohio state and Notre Dame and stuff for recruits. Like it's just not going to happen. Um, and you know, that that's frustrating um, to, to a coach when like, you were just going in and you're already not going to have um, really like advantages in, the, in that regard. But I, I think that's just the reality of, of the job is you're going to have to find kind of diamonds in the rough. You're going to have to do what Tucker tried to do and uh, navigate the transfer portal a little bit, but there's drawbacks to that too, because obviously like, I think the, the problem with the transfer portal and building your roster out of the transfer portal. And I think I've addressed this before is like, you're inherently taking players that other teams don't want and banking on the fact that the players are actually good and the team just missed something in them. Like, I don't know, like the odds of that happening enough times for you to build an entire roster out of transfer portal prospects, like is astronomically low. And they kind of hit the lottery on that already back in, I guess it was 2020 when they had uh, the, um, the top 10 team with, you know, a, a few transfer portal guys. So it is a tough job and I don't really know what you do to you know maybe maybe find some young inspiring guy that's gonna you know uh maybe juice your program up for a little bit i i just don't know i think it's 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 a tough job and it's a tough sell to any coach to go there and find success with that aspect of it because that it does bring up a good point with the mel tucker situation and frankly a series of situations that have come out over the last several years with Michigan State as a program, and not just in football, but in other sports, and just, frankly, just horrific things occurring at Michigan State. I I guess my question to you would be, at some point, are we going to be seeing a change in the conversation, not just to, oh, this particular coach or Mesa, like something to the extent of the programs at Michigan State as a whole? Because I, I don't want to get into the details of some of the – they've just been horrific, some of the things that have come out over the last several years from Michigan State. But it, it seems like this is no longer a one-off, but rather an ongoing pattern within these programs. So like, at, at what point do you see maybe someone even outside of the NCAA stepping in with Michigan State? Yeah, I don't know. It's that, That's tough because it's like that's – that's tough to speculate about because it's – I mean, so far removed from from like football and what it feels reasonable to expect. I mean, the the only reasonable comparison there is like um, the uh, Jerry Sandusky situation at Penn State. And obviously, like the NCAA tried to like levy a punishment in that situation. And I, I in my opinion, rightfully came back years later and was like, yeah, it actually doesn't make sense at all to punish a football team and vacate wins for a criminal matter that had nothing to do with on-field performance. And they actually gave Penn state all their wins back. Um, I, like, I think that's the correct decision in that matter. There's no competitive advantage to what was happening there. And I think like, that's, that's where it kind of is at Michigan state is like, there definitely have been problems. And to be fair, like there's also been problems at Ohio state and um, at Michigan and stuff like that too, with stuff that's been going on in the, the athletic departments that, um, you know, aren't necessarily great, 
but I think like the reality is you just kind of have to deal with those on a case by case basis and allow law enforcement and uh, the investigations to handle it. And I think that genuinely gets down to more of like the, uh, the academic slash institutional level than it even has to do with the football team. So I'm not sure if that will be considered much when um, building a program. I just think that it's going to be tough for Michigan state to find a coach that wants to go and play second fiddle to Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state, and now USC, Washington, and Oregon. Um, now I like, I, I think that's the, the biggest problem that they're going to have is they're trying to find a head coach and build a program. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talk with Kevin Harris, writer for me on midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. And uh, I'm going to go go ahead and hop up on my soapbox here a little bit, so bear with me. We've had a little more fallout from everything that's taken place at Michigan, and not all Michigan fans may fit this criteria, but it is insane to me that more and more, seemingly every Michigan fan I know, has gotten more and more loud and obnoxious about everything that's been going on. I don't even know the question to formulate around that. I guess it's just a how, why do we get at, We're probably not going to get any resolution. And if we do, it's not going to be satisfactory to everybody. So kind of what's your handle on uh, what we have with Michigan uh, up to this point? I think we're recording this on Wednesday. It'll be set on Wednesday. I think tomorrow the big 10 will suspend Jim Harbaugh. I do think that's going to happen. Um, whether or not I think Michigan's going to fight it, whether or not they can get an injunction on the matter um, and keep him on the field, whatever. Like, I, I, I think that's that's what's going to happen, though. Um, I think the Big Ten will move to try to suspend Jim Harbaugh for at least two games, which is what the um, sportsmanship pol- policy allows the commissioner to do without approval from a, a longer process. Um, and while he's suspended those two games, I do expect that the big 10 would try to um, get a longer suspension for him, you know, maybe a indefinite suspension for him in the process again, which I would fully expect Michigan to fight. So that's kind of where we are. Um, It just comes down to how successful Michigan would be in court. And they seem to think that they would be very successful and they would get an injunction and basically nothing would change. Um, So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but I, I do think the Big Ten is going to try to do something. But it is it is very odd. Um, I think there's just been like this whole, um, frankly, it feels like two weeks too late that Michigan is just like, just like has this onslaught of like trying to just shift the the narrative to be like, see, it's not that bad sort of thing um, with leaks to writers and stuff like that. But like the the issue is that, Nothing that Michigan has like shared so far, or Michigan. I say Michigan. I, I, you can't pin all of this on Michigan. It, it is Michigan reporters with Michigan ties. I guess is the better way to say it. Um, have been sharing things like, um, other Big Ten teams have been sharing signals, Michigan signals between each other, um, stuff like that, which is perfectly legal. Um, other Big Ten teams have been, um, you know, sharing information back and forth. Um, like n- nothing about that is, is illegal. And like I said, um, I mean, honestly, I even, uh, an Ohio state reporter, Austin Ward, um, of rivals, uh, he legitimately asked compliance, like big 10 compliance, the big 10 compliance office, 
if what was put in these articles violates any rules and the NCAA or in the Big Ten said, no, it does not. Um, so like this doesn't change anything. And I think they're just trying to change public perception and maybe just kind of change the narrative as far as like, oh, everybody does this. Michigan didn't get that much of an advantage. This isn't the most insane cheating scandal of all time sort of thing. Like that's the only thing that they're trying to do. I don't think that's going to affect anything about the Big Ten's punishment. I think the Big Ten, from what I I personally have heard from um, sources in, in within the Big Ten and within the Big Ten investigation, the evidence that they have against Michigan is overwhelming. Um, I have heard that they have thousands of videos and photos uh, It with regards to this case. Um, I have heard that they are not too uh, interested uh, or compelled by any of the things that Michigan sent to them with regards to um, Ohio State and Purdue sharing their signals back and forth. Like, I, I, I don't think that the Big Ten is going to be particular or has been particularly moved um, by that situation. Um, so on by the people who actually matter. I don't think anything has changed or will change today. Um, I, I think we're just kind of at that place where we have been, it feels like since, uh, I guess, Friday. Um, it felt like we were at this point that the Big Ten has what it has. It's pretty clear what the Big Ten's going to do. Um, I think the Big Ten essentially notified Michigan what they're going to do and what information they have. And today, Michigan is just responding to them. And I expect that the Big Ten tomorrow will levy a punishment. And it's it's just a matter of if Michigan can successfully fight that in court. And last one I have for you, Kevin, just very simple question then to follow up. If Jim Harbaugh is suspended, twice suspended this season, I, I'll go ahead and ask maybe two-part question. My apologies. One, how quickly does he sign with the Chicago Bears? in February of this next year to be their new head coach? And number two, how many press conferences do we have to put up with J.J. McCarthy crying, humbly asking, I just want my coach back, <laughs> as if this was like some lifelong bond that the two of them have built over the years? Yeah, honestly, like I, from, I've, I think I've said this before, from talking to Michigan insiders and like people that were kind of in the know in Michigan, I don't think the average Michigan fan thinks this way. But um, like the people who are like deep in the weeds here, I think a lot of people expected Jim Harbaugh this to be his last year uh, at Michigan, even before the season started and even before the scandal hit. So I I would not be shocked if like he is done at Michigan after this season, even if he gets an injunction to play, regardless of what any any investigation finds out. Like I would not be shocked about that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if. I don't frankly don't know if he if anybody will take him in the NFL. So that could be interesting, too. But in terms of just like Michigan moving on, if Harbaugh does not coach for Michigan um, and does not get uh, and they are not given that injunction or whatever, honestly, it's not that big of a deal. Um, I, I think the larger issue here um, is what coordinators, if any, are implicated to. Because I think you lose Jim Harbaugh. Like, Jim Harbaugh's not calling plays on either side of the ball. This team can function, uh, for better or for worse, without Jim Harbaugh. He is kind of just, like, the leader, the captain of the ship. Um, but he's not, like, making any critical in-game decisions. My question would be, if you can implicate um, 
any coordinators or position coaches or anything like that that actually does call plays um does you know do game planning and stuff like that if the big 10 has evidence of that and um one of those one or two of those guys get suspended also um i, I think that's the more concerning situation for michigan um is whether or not they have those guys but as far as jim harbaugh if he's suspended for the rest of the season you know it, maybe that could be a rallying cry and he could be like a martyr and it could actually propel this team forward. I just don't think it's going to have a huge impact on the field. Couple games coming up this weekend that are some big ones. Of course, we do have Michigan versus Penn State. We have Ole Miss, Georgia, Utah, Washington, Tennessee, Missouri, uh, USC, Oregon, some of the bigger ones. What are some of the games you're looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a, a solid weekend of college football. Um, it's obviously that Michigan Penn state game, I think it's going to be the one everybody's watching um, to see how Michigan performs now that it can't steal signs too. Um, see how much of an impact something like that actually really had. And I mean, frankly, I think Penn state's a good enough team where it matches up well with Michigan. Michigan hasn't really played a lot of teams this year. Um, it's, it's going to be the first real test of any kind for this Michigan team to see, um, you know, how how serious of a title contender that they are um if they come in and dominate like they're probably going to be the favorites for the national title here on out um outside of that you got georgia ole miss i think georgia's going to roll in that game that's probably their last test before um really the sec championship game and um but that's that's kind of your prime time game um and then you got uh utah versus washington which is really one of the final tests for washington too i think this utah defense is awesome um so we'll see how that plays out for, for Washington, which is a legitimate national title contender at this point too. This has been me at midfield writer along with the comeback and awful announcing Kevin Harris. Kevin, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. We'll catch up next week. Yes. Sounds good. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Calvert volleyball coach, Laura Ron back here on the NWO orthopedics sports title from the Fricker studios. Due to substantial growth at Morgan Advanced Materials, we're hiring and want you to join our team. If you're looking for a competitive starting wage, Morgan Advanced Materials has production operator positions starting at $19.76 an hour with the potential of up to $23.91 an hour. Join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Fostoria. Call us at 419-360-9751 or head to morganadvancedmaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better place. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have a starting pay of $18.04 an hour with a raise to $18.31 after 90 days with a shift differential of $0.25 an hour for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork, located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria. Seneca Millwork, part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI, Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. The Tim and Calvert Senecas won their third ever regional title in volleyball, beating Ayersville and Crestview last week. They'll play on Friday night against Canton Central Catholic in the state semis, and if they win that, they would play for a state title on Saturday. We're now pleased to be joined by Calvert Head Volleyball Coach Lori Roundback here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Coach, how you doing? Great, great, great. Good to be here, Lance and Matt. Thanks so much for the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for taking 
the time to talk with us. Let's let's talk about last week a little bit. Let's start with that Thursday match, able to get by Ayersville in straight sets. What were uh, some of the big things you uh, saw from your team in that uh, Thursday match? You know, um, it was the girls came. You know, we we came ready to play. Um, if I'm if I'm being completely honest, it wasn't you know one of our best matches. Um, you know, our practice on Friday. You know, everyone was on the same page and that we need to do better. We need to prepare better. We need to um, come with a little bit better focus and and intention and execution. And, um, you know, I'd say by the way things went on Saturday, <laughs> um, that Friday conversation was heard by by everyone on the team. Yeah, and Coach, uh, clearly message received from the team on uh, Friday going into Saturday. But one of the things that I was surprised about, sticking with Thursday just a little bit, really the performance from your freshmen that you had in that game. I mean, a regional semifinal game, the, the lights, well, let's just call it as this to quote Jared Allen, the lights can sometimes get a little too bright for people, but that has not seemed to be the case at any point with this freshman class. You guys have, especially between Bryn Dirksen, uh, Bryn Meyer and Bella Borgia. What, what can you say about their performances Thursday? And then obviously big performances again from them on Saturday overall. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the freshmen, the three freshmen that you mentioned, I mean, they stepped up both days, Thursday and Saturday. They really did. And um, yeah, it, when you're, when you have a, girls that are young on your team, you know, you have to to give them a little bit of grace and understand that this is a big stage. And I think these three handled, handled themselves amazing. Um, they have wonderful support um, from their upperclassmen. I mean, Bryn Dirksen, you know, she's a second half of the six two, and Olivia Miller is, you know, her biggest uh, fan and supporter. And those two work together as one. And that makes, you know, Bryn Dirksen's job a little bit easier as a freshman in that role when she knows that, you know, the starting senior has her back. And Olivia Miller does a great job of supporting her. That's great. And, you know, with Bor Bella Borgio and, and Bryn Meyer, you get that same camaraderie and support from um, Allie Porter and Carol and Cam as hitters. Uh, so it, it's a beautiful thing to see and watch as a coach um, when they support and lift each other up. And, and I think it relieves a little bit of pressure and uh, that they might have on their shoulders when they know that these girls um, have their back. And, you know, those freshmen, they did terminate a lot of balls and they did a great job of it. But our team doesn't need them to do that all the time. And, and I think that helps. Along with Calvert Volleyball Coach Lori Rombach here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. And then as we've alluded to Saturday, able to take down Crestview in straight sets. What were some of the big things you uh, saw from your team on Saturday? Yeah, Saturday, Saturday's game is probably a game that I'm going to remember, you know, for as long as I live. And, you know, just the emotion and um, the execution from our team was really special. And, you know, it, it definitely wasn't a perfect game. You know, when we look at the stats, we send our stats um, to huddle or our video to huddle, and then they stat it out and I get reports back and, you know, kind of analyze things. And, and I was a little, I was a little surprised by some of the, the stats that came back. I mean, we had a lot of errors in that game, which may sound surprising because it felt so good. Um, and I guess one of the things as a coach that just makes me so proud of this team is we had a lot of errors, but it didn't get into any of our girls' heads. Like they continued to just have a laser focus. And that's the sport of volleyball. I mean, volleyball is a game of mistakes. And if you can't make a mistake and move on, there's going to be problems. I mean, when you can make errors and make mistakes and just move on to the next ball, 
that's when great things start to happen. And that's exactly what our team did on Saturday. We, it was not a perfect game. We made a lot of errors, but we terminated a lot of balls. And coach talking about that, I mean, uh, sadly, I wasn't there as it was alluded to, but did get the pleasure of listening to the game. And uh, my, my takeaway from it, like you just alluded to, I mean, it was the fact that they were, your team was able to adjust and handle some of those rallies that girls like Callie Gregory or Etzler are able to put Crestview on in a hurry. I, I mean, really, it kind of seemed like a masterclass in a lot of the philosophies and style for coaching that you and your staff have. Because I, I can't recall a lot of instances of calling a timeout or anything out of the ordinary for you. It seemed like you were really confident letting your girls follow the script, follow the plan that you guys really have been following all season, keeping the rotation heavy, keeping the bench fluid, moving people in and out, and just sticking with what seems to work, which is trusting the girls and doing that. Is that the right vibe, or was I just on cloud nine because you guys straight-setted Crestview, and it was fun after the football game a week prior seeing Crestview get a little bit of uh, comeuppance in that scenario? Yeah. Well, Matt, would you like a coaching shirt? You could sit on our bench maybe next week. <laughs> <laughs> really? Wait, time yeah. out. Hold up. <laughs> no, I, I think, I mean, I think you nailed it. You know, we, we were definitely prepared for that, that game. I mean, the coaches, all four of us spent a good amount of time, you know, preparing for the game and having a game plan. And um, I really want to give so much credit to, you know, our blocking and our defense. We worked a lot this past week on blocking um, and just setting a good block and getting good touches because, I mean, Callie Gregory, I mean, three and five, both those two girls, they, I mean, they had 12 kills each. And I feel like we defended them well. I can only imagine if you don't defend them well, what they're going to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, our, our block did their job. Our block slowed them down. Our block terminated balls. And those balls that they didn't terminate, they got touches on. And then, I mean, Cecilia, Schoenberger, um, Porter, Emily Miller, when she was in the back row, they did a fantastic job. I mean, even like Olivia and Dirksen, I mean, they they play back right because they're coming out of the back row as a setter. I think actually Olivia was our leading dig, our digger for the game. So they, you know, they lined up behind the block. They executed on their first touches. And, you know, it was just, it was a very well executed game by all the girls on the court. Along with Calvert Head Volleyball Coach Lori Rombach here on the NWO Orthopedics Sport Total from the Fricker Studios. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. And earning now your third trip to the state stage of the season. First time back to Wright State as well since 2018 since the COVID year was played at Butler. What does it mean for the team, program, community, all those different pieces uh, to now be getting back down to Dayton uh, this coming weekend? Yeah, it's so exciting. I'm so excited for this team. You know, like you, like you said, in 18, we were at the Nutter Center. In 2020, we were at Butler High School, so a completely different experience um, than the Nutter Center. So that, that, what that means is none of the girls on this team have, you know, competed at the Nutter Center. So as a coach, it's just, it makes me so proud to, you know, be able to take them down and have this experience because it's just a, Hopefully it's not a once in a lifetime experience, but it's, you know, it's a pretty special experience. It really is. So we're, we're really looking forward to it. Um, and, you know, we're going to, we're going to take in, take some time on Thursday and, and really enjoy the Nutter Center and let everybody kind of see what it's all about. And then, you know, when we get there on Friday, it's going to be all business. It's going to be time to compete. We have a job to do because, you know, we're not just happy and 
but for the opportunity to get there. Like we've got more to do. We're not finished yet. Um, and, and we're going to be prepared on Friday with that, with that right mindset. Coach, talking about mindset, something I've noticed with your team, especially this postseason, it's you guys kind of have the same like vibe and attitude that you usually do. I mean, like if things are going well, you see Olivia Miller go to that. Uh, we like to call it violent serve. I'm sure there's a more technical term for it than that. But seeing that, some dancing in the huddle during timeouts, things of that nature, it's definitely still that loose energy and loose kind of performance that you see with your team all year in and year out. But at the same time, it feels like vibe-wise, there's something different, almost like an unfinished business type of energy from this team. Can, can you talk on that a little bit? Is, is that kind of the mindset with this team going through this postseason? Because it, I don't know how to explain it. It just feels different if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you I think I understand what you're saying and I think a lot of that just has to do with the personality of the girls on the team too. You know, in 18 we just were I mean that was just something crazy special. There was no expectation. There was we were just gritting it out and enjoying the ride and and 2020 was special in its own right, you know, with all of the craziness of covid and all of that. But um yeah, I think I think in this this year, it's just, we have, we have some really amazing personalities of girls and they're just, they're competitors. And I think just from the five years prior to where we're at has just given them the opportunity to have a slightly different mindset. And it's exactly what you said. I mean, we we're saying all, you know, what we've been saying the last couple of days is we're just getting started. And that's truly what it feels like. I mean, we're, we're down to the last week of the season. And I have girls in our gym saying, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. And it, and it's, that's the way it feels like we're not just happy to be there. We've got a job to do on Friday and, you know, God willing, we're going to, you know, get that win and, and secure it and then move on to Saturday and play for a state championship. And the girls believe that and their mindset is, you know, to get to Saturday. Talking with head volleyball coach of Tiffin Calvert, Lori Ron, back here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. And one of the other things that uh, happened over the weekend, the All-Ohio teams were released, and you had representation all across the board. Caroline Landacek was first team. Cam Shook was second team. Olivia Miller was named as an honorable mention. What can you say about uh, the players from your team that were uh, you know, able to be honored across the state? Because you know some teams, they're very fortunate to get one. You guys were able to get three players on the uh, All-Ohio teams. Yeah, it's amazing. It truly is. It's an amazing thing for our program, for our school. Uh, it, it is remarkable. It really is. Because, you know, back in 2018, I don't think half the teams in the state of Ohio even knew who Calvert was. And, you know, to be where we're at now in 2023 and then get three girls on all Ohio. I mean, that's, that's, it's crazy. And, you know, it's a testament to our program and our, and our history of the girls, you know, you, the Emma Whites, the, um, you know, all the, the girls that laid the work prior, the Shelby Hemingers, the Sophie um, Burtises, the Lexi Whites, the, you know, AJ Heminger, the Kate Rumbacks, all those girls that put all that work in prior to where we're at now, you know, we get to have the benefit of getting the recognition of, you know, three teams on all, three girls on all Ohio. And it's, it's pretty special. It really is. And, and I think Carol, Cam, and Olivia, you know, and they've said it to our team. I mean, those, that recognition doesn't come without 
you know, the passes from Cecilia and the digs from Allie Porter and and the rest of the girls on the team. So all those all the, those three girls get the recognition. I mean, it's truly because they're surrounded by great athletes. Um, so I, I'm happy for them and I'm happy for our school, you know, to, to get three girls in all Ohio. And coach, you just kind of touched on something that I think is bit of an issue throughout Northwest Ohio, not just for volleyball, but really sports in general. It does seem to be that you mentioned 2018, most schools hadn't even heard of Calvert and even to some regards, as it continues, as you guys have progressed, it seems there's more often or not some moments of snubbing that occurs, not just for your program, but also Northwest. Can, Can you talk about just the level of talent that your program has to go against just in this region alone. It's yes, the the three all Ohio's phenomenal accolades. Just feel, feel like Northwest Ohio doesn't get as much recognition as it deserves for the level of talent across the board that's in this region. Is that is that something that you feel as well? Well, I think there's certainly. I mean, all the schools down in the MAC have a you know a camaraderie and you know super competitive conference, and they have some amazing coaches and some extremely talented athletes for sure. Um, they have a lot of history down there. I mean, if you look in the record books and state championships and, and where they come out of, I mean, you're going to see a lot of them from down there up here. You know, you have Hopewell Loudon when Dave Reinhardt was here, you know, securing five of them. Um, you have Calvert with, with two and, you know, making a run and we're going to do our best to try to get that third one. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's taking, it's definitely taken some work on my regard when I, you know, go to state meetings and uh, seminars and conferences and all those things that you go with other coaches to try to shake hands and introduce myself and get in front of some of the other, the team. So they know who Calvert is because that truly is a huge part of the process and how you get girls voted on all Ohio. I mean, the process is, it's a laborious process and it's somewhat antiquated. I'm sure. I don't know what the best way to do it is. I really don't know. So I don't want to complain too much because I don't want anybody to ask me, you know, how I think it should be done. Cause I don't know. Um, but you know, when you get this list of 200 girls that have been nominated from all the coaches around the state, you have to know a little bit about the programs and the athletes going into that vote. And, you know, I've really tried hard over the years to try to make sure that as many coaches as possible know who Calvert is and know who our top performers are. You know, one of the reasons why we travel so far for scrimmages in preseason and, um, you know, scrimmages even within season. I I, I want to get out of this this area for that for that reason right there. Talking with Calvert head volleyball coach Lori Ron back here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Now let's look ahead a little bit to Friday night. You guys will take on Canton Central Catholic. What are some of the uh, big things you've uh, seen from them and getting ready for Friday? Yeah, we're excited. We're excited to to compete against um, somebody we've never seen before, somebody we've never played before. Uh, Those are some of my favorite competitions. I I like the, I'm a student of the game, so I really like the preparation that it takes to, you know, get on the court and have the girls prepared for somebody we've never played before. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're a dynamic team, um, really don't, you know, know too many of the teams they've competed against. Um, you know, they're, they're 23 and five. Uh, so a very, they've had a very successful season so far. Um, they have a good amount of seniors. It looks like on their team that are in their starting lineup. So, you know, that goes to 
show, you know, they're going to be a, an experienced team from that regard. They run a five, one offense and they have one setter who's um, Max prep says she's six foot tall. Um, I, I haven't seen them compete. So I don't know if that's a true six foot or if that's a, a, a max prep six foot. I don't know, but just watching, you know, her on film, she's a dynamic athlete and she distributes the ball well to her team. And, you know, there's definitely uh, weaknesses in that team that, you know, the coaches and I have kind of uh, found, and it's going to be our job to do what we can best to, you know, exploit those weaknesses and get some points off of them. All right, well, first I'm going to address the max prep measurement versus <laughs> real measurements, because I use that on my job profile because it had me at 6'4", 275 back in my playing days. <laughs> so need, need to... Need to not dig max preps for that one in particular, because that usually makes me feel very good about myself. But uh, in, in all sincerity, uh, a kind of a two-parter so far this week, how has practice been? Uh, obviously, you mentioned earlier, uh, Thursday, wanting to get down there, let the girls experience the Nutter Center since last time it was a state title for you guys was at Vandalia Butler. New, bit of a new environment for the team, not new environment for you and a team that you really haven't seen yet. How how has the practices felt thus far? And then, obviously, Calvert Faithful travel phenomenally well. What's the message for them heading down to the Nutter Center once again at Wright State? Yeah, well, the practices have been business as usual. I mean, that's where we're at right now. We, you know, we, we have our normal practice, normal practice schedule. We lift, um, and, and we've been doing that. Um, you know, we, it's, you know, this week in my from my experience it's it's a lot of mental preparation you know we have a good amount of freshmen uh that dress and a good amount of freshmen that play um so you know we have to talk through and make sure everybody's understanding and comfortable with what to be what's to be expected and so there is a that's the one you know difference in in practice schedules is we do a lot of just kind of talking through and making sure that we're all on the same page with that um but yeah, I mean, and, and the community is just so amazing and generous. And there's certainly fun things that, um, you know, people have reached out and and offered to, you know, provide to the girls that we're going to, they're going to go on a pedal bike, you know, through Tiffin. That was generously donated by, you know, the owners, um, the Perrys at Pedal Bike Company in Tiffin. And, and, and they should do those fun things. I mean, this is, this is not anything ordinary that's happening. This is something that, you know, when they're 40, 50 years old, they're going to remember. So it's so wonderful that the community is, you know, rallying around us and giving girls, you know, an opportunity to, to make it even more special. We're going to have a team dinner after practice um, and film watching uh, tomorrow. And, you know, Randy Ware at the Clover Club is going to host us there and, and take care of the girls and feed them a good um, dinner. So it's just, it's overwhelming how, you know, generous and supportive everybody is. And um, yeah, so as people are traveling down to Dayton, you know, hopefully everybody arrives safely and, um, but we're just getting started, you know, we're just getting started and that's the mentality. Friday's game is, you know, we have, we have a job to do, we're going to execute and, and we're going to eliminate Canton Central Catholic. I mean, that's our mindset um, because we want to, we want to push all in and, and give ourselves an opportunity to compete for a state title. And I'll take the high road here, quote unquote. I'm not going to ask you about Saturday because I know you are just going to focus on Friday, which you should just focus on Friday. But what I am going to ask is one of your coaches had a baby last week. 
Is yes. she is she going to be down there? Is she has she made the plans to be there this coming weekend? This was her response when I asked her that question. Um, she said, I wouldn't miss it for the world. So she will be there. She will be there. Yes, she um, we competed Thursday at the regional semi. She had the baby on the next day, the next morning. Um, and yeah, she's going to she's definitely going to make an appearance and be down there and uh, be on the bench um, during the game. So it's pretty it's amazing how uh, and that's just my mind is blown. And I told her as it gets closer, you know, if if it doesn't work out, it's completely fine. Like that's having a baby is crazy. <laughs> and a week later to be there is just mind blowing. Okay. Now to be fair, very, very important follow-up question because earlier in this interview, it appeared I was offered a spot on the coaching staff, but am I going <laughs> to have to interview against a one week old baby to have that spare seat on the bench as well? Cause I mean, your coach having the kid, maybe maybe the kid brings something to the table. You never know. Maybe some good luck as well. <laughs> Matt, you're something else. <laughs> that is the appropriate reaction to what Matt asked. That is the absolute appropriate reaction. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's too funny. But this has been Calvert Head Volleyball Coach Lori Rombach. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us as always. Good luck on Friday against Canton Central Catholic and then hopefully the rest of the weekend to play for a state title on Saturday. Thanks so much, Lance. Appreciate it. Appreciate all the support from both you and Matt. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Hopewell Loudon head football coach Brian Calatrulio here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. It's cash for cars at Warner Economy Corner in Findlay. Not much has changed with the shortage of good quality used cars, but Warner Economy Corner is looking to buy. At the corner of Blanchard and Blanchard, Warner Economy Corner is paying cash for cars. Bring your vehicle down to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and go home with cash in hand. Warner Economy Corner is buying cars and making deals. Open daily Monday through Friday. The Northwestern Water and Sewer District now has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Watersheds are located off of Plaza Drive on the north end of town and our newest location near 4th and Finley Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try watershed water. Just bring your own containers and fill up for a quarter a gallon. Try watershed water today. For all locations, go to nwwsd.org. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you once again this Wednesday night. Hopewell Loudon has continued rolling so far through the postseason, beating Montpelier and Pandora Gilboa thus far. They get set to take on Patrick Henry Friday night from Bowling Green High School. You can hear all the action with Matt Common and Tom Grind Friday night on WFOB. We're now pleased to be joined by Hopewell Loudon head football coach Brian College Trulio here in the Frickers Zoom room. And coach, so far in the postseason, two games, two pretty big wins, Montpelier and Pandora, Gilboa. What are some of the big things you've uh, seen from your team so far in the postseason? You know, just just that continued improvement. Um, you know, defensively, you know, we're, we're playing the you know, the best football we've, we've played all year and um, played a fantastic game last Friday night. And, you know, we, we've just, you know, continued to, to improve. We've continued to um, find different ways to to win and um you know our our guys are just clicking at the right time of the year like you said with the defense 
I think I feel like the offense kind of gets the the notoriety for you know how big they've been you know some of these games I think seventy some points in the one game but defensively I mean it's been you know about as good as it can be you know a lot of a lot of low scoring games you've uh, had throughout the year what kind of can you say about the defense that's allowed them to be as good as they've been so far this year? No, we just yeah we've been so opportunistic um, you know we've we've caused a bunch of turnovers that was a big part of the game. You know, last Friday against Pandora, getting the three interceptions. You know, we, we just uh, – we have 11 guys that just do what they're supposed to do. And, and you know, my, my brother's a defensive coordinator. He, he has been for 20-plus years now for me. And, you know, he, he's as good as – he's as good as there is. And, you know, he, he comes up with a plan every single week, and we just have a group of kids that execute and, and do what we ask them to. And, um, and it just – it works. And – I've said this before, but you know, maybe our 11 pieces, when you look at them individually, it, it might not look like a dominating defense, but man, when, when they all work together and, and they're all in the right spot, it, it, it really is a dominating defense. Talk with Hopewell Loudon head football coach Brian Calatrulio here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. On the flip side, just as much as we can talk about the defense, we can, of course, do the same thing with the offense scoring, you know, 20 plus points in just about every game throughout the season. And it's been, you know, a handful of different guys um, making impacts at different points uh, throughout the year. What can you kind of say about that offense that's allowed it to be? Yeah, we have, you know, we have Adam Crease, Adam Crease, we have Evan Crease, we've got Braylon Martinez, but don't forget we got Blake Barry, we got Matthew Wyman, we got all these different guys who can have a big impact, you know, of it, during these various different games. Yeah, and I, honestly, the, the the key has been our offensive line because that, that that was the question mark coming in. Um, you know, we lose our we lose our best lineman in, in our first scrimmage. Um, so, you know, we have three new starters, some guys that, that haven't played very much football, you know, coming into this year, you know, I thought the, if, if we were going to have a good football team, our offensive line was going to have to really improve and, and figure out how to, how to get things done. And, um, we, we knew we had good receivers. We knew Bra- you know, Braylon was going to be a, a really good running back. And obviously Evan's a all Ohio type quarterback. Um, but for us to have the success we've had is our offensive line. Again, our um, Coach Bish does a great job with these guys and just watching them from where we were, you know, a couple months ago to where we are now is, has been a lot of fun to watch. Like you alluded to injuries, something unavoidable in football, Will Nutter, uh, the guy that went down uh, earlier on in that first scrimmage, as you mentioned, uh, but Blake Barrier, he's been playing with, you know, a club on his hand and still been able to play a receiver for you, do things all across the field on both sides of the ball. How have you guys been able to adjust to the injuries where some, you know, some guys like Blake were able to play through their injury, whereas other guys are obviously unable to play. Yeah, honestly, I was from, you know, since that first first scrimmage, we, we've been healthy. You know, we, we've started the same guys all 12 games. And, you know, that, that's very fortunate for you know, a Division Seven team to be where we're at. It, it probably means you, you know, you had a little bit of luck and, and you did stay healthy. And, and we really have been. And, you know, as far as Blake goes, playing with a cast, I, I don't, I don't think anybody understands you know what he's been able to accomplish and how difficult that is um you know he, he's got 70 some catches and uh, over a thousand yards receiving and you know, he played what seven, six games with, with a club and you know to to have that kind of hand-eye coordination and um just 
the the athleticism that it takes is unbelievable. So he's actually got it off. He played without it last week, and oh, okay. and he said he felt faster and and smoother and just uh, just a completely different um, different feel for it. But you know, I, I I have no idea how he was able to accomplish what he did, and you know, I've never seen anything like it. It is re- worth reiterating just for everybody that may or may not know. You can play, obviously, you can play through different injuries in football, but different positions typically have different restrictions, whereas usually your wide receivers need the ability to use both of their hands, whereas Blake essentially was with, like, one hand and, like, kind of able to guide it a little bit with the offhand, but by and large was essentially playing with one good hand for about half the season. That That is kind of crazy considering he's a receiver and a defensive back and he can catch punts and do other things in the kicking and return game as well yeah no i've, I've had guys play defense with clubs i don't know that i've ever had one uh play an offensive defensive line but man that yeah not receiver talking with hopewell Loudonhead football coach brian college here on the nwo orthopedics sports huddle from the frickers studios and looking ahead to friday you guys take on patrick henry obviously a very good team in their own right able to obviously as well win a handful of playoff games what are some of the big things you've uh, seen from them and getting ready for friday no uh, they're they're really good um you know so our region's loaded the the four teams that are left um any any of the four could could come out of this and you know, you're, you're going to have to play your absolute best game to, to be able to move on. And um, very, very physical football team. Uh, their their O&D lines are, are as good as we faced. Um, real, real physical, uh, dual threat quarterback, uh, really, really good runner, um, multiple receivers. Yeah, they just have weapons and, and, and really good up front on both sides. They're, they're a complete football team. Uh, and, and like I said, we're, we're going to have to play the best game that we've played all year. Uh, to give ourselves a chance, and you know, honestly, when you get to this point uh, of the season, that's that's what it's always going to be. You, know, you you have to play your best game to to be able to beat the the teams that are left, and you know, we're going to do everything we can to to play to our 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 top level. Like you mentioned uh, on the Patrick Henry side, pretty balanced offense between uh, their quarterback Lincoln Krieger and uh, the running back Houston Miranda. Uh, how do you kind of look to keep that offense in check when they are at times? able to be as well balanced as, you know, kind of mirroring what you guys are able to do yeah. with your running and passing. Yeah, it's going to be the same, you know, uh, the formula we've, we've kind of followed, uh, you know, we've played some really good offensive teams and, you know, we, we've been able to cause a couple turnovers and, and get a red zone stop here and there. And, uh, and then offensively our formula all year, we, we possess the ball. You know, we, our, our time of possession, you know, the amount of plays that we've run compared to our opponents um, has been a huge advantage for us. You know, we, we've, we've held the ball on some long drives. You know, we started last week's game with a 16-play drive, took almost the whole first quarter to score. Um, you know, it shortens the game, and it gives your defense a chance to, you know, you, you, you just need one or two stops. And, you know, we, we've been able to, to, to do that. Um, you know, Calvert, we got some red zone stops. Last week we got some turnovers. And, and then our offense has got to keep being efficient. And now you start to the neutral site part of the postseason heading over to Bowling Green, a place you guys did play a few years ago. So are at least a little familiar with it. What are some of the things uh, atmosphere wise you're expecting to see in BG? Yeah, no, it's fun. And that's what we told the kids yesterday. You know, it's, it's real playoffs. Now you, know, you, you go to, it's fun to play at home and it's awesome. And I love our home field and, you know, our seniors get to you know play those two extra home games and, and go out winners at home. 
Um, but now, now it's real. You know, you go to a nice stadium, uh, play on turf, neutral site. Um, going to be a huge crowd from from both sides, and you know, th- this is this is why this is what you want. You, know, you want to be able to get to the middle of November and and play in, in the, these great atmospheres. And you know, I, I know our our, our team is going to be excited to play. And then, lastly, what's the message to the team, the fans, anybody who's a, a Hopewell supporter out there? What's uh, what's the message to them? Yeah, just keep you know keep coming, keep watching us. You know, we we've lined it up twelve weeks, and we found a way to to win all twelve. And you know we're going to give everything we got to to try to do it one more week. This has been Hopewell Out and head football coach Brian Colatrulio. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Patrick Henry. All right, thank you very much, Lance. Appreciate you having me. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Ottawa Hills head football coach Brandon Carter. You're on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Dawn. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. For over 100 years, ironworkers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an ironworker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are ironworker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Ironworkers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Ottawa Hills had themselves one of the bigger upsets from last weekend, beating Colonel Crawford 28-21 in the second round of the postseason. They take on Bluffton in Napoleon on Friday night. We're now pleased to be joined by Ottawa Hills head football coach Brandon Carter here in the Frickers Zoom room. And coach, kind of to say... You've done great things in your first year as the head coach there. It's kind of a bit of an understatement with how well you guys have performed. So kind of what was the process like for you in uh, getting hired as the new uh, Ottawa Hills head football coach and uh, getting rolling on into the year? Uh, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's always a, a, a privilege and a blessing to be able to talk about Ottawa Hills football and our program and our kids and our coaches. So, just wanted to take a second to say thank you for allowing me to be able to do that. Um, and back to your question, um, I would say um, our guys bought in from day one, man. We take on the, the underdog role. And those guys, they, they have a chip on their shoulder, and each week the chip gets bigger because their mindset is we're out to prove that we're not soft, spoiled, rich, entitled kids. So it's just kind of like we've taken that and run with it. And it doesn't matter who we plan. Our approach has always been the same, starting back in the summertime, because I own a sports training company too. So I put these guys through workouts. Like I trained some NFL guys, college guys, all the way on down. So I put them through the same workouts that I put everybody else through. And I'm telling you guys, the first, like the first week or two, I was trying to get guys to quit. I really was like I made it as hard as I could because I wanted to see 
when things got hard and adversity was going to set in, who was going to be the first one to quit? And honestly, those guys were out there throwing up. It was a garbage can out there. Those guys would run to the garbage can, throw up, jump back in and get after it. They kept showing up every morning too, man. And I'm like, damn, we got something here because these guys, I told them, I said, if you guys can make it through this and handle this, when it's late in the year, fourth quarter time, and we deal with adversity like we did last week when we went down in the uh, in the, the third or fourth, end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter against Crawford. I pulled them to the side. I said, remember those summer workouts? You was getting your butts kicked, but you always had each other's backs. I said, now it's time to put your arm around your brother and let's put a drive together and score and let's go win this game. And that's exactly what they did. They honestly never flinched. They always believed that we can win every game that we play. And that's been the mentality that's been their mindset. And they play like that every week, man. It's us against the world. That's how we feel. We feel like we're never going to be picked to win any of these games moving forward. And we love that and we embrace it. Because at the end of the day, on Friday night, throw out the rankings, throw out the records. You got to line up to play football. And you're going you're gonna to have to play your best football to beat us. That's our motto. That's our MO. Uh, well, Coach, let me start by saying I – have been out in the area long enough, I can 100% tell you, you guys have been one of, if not the biggest surprise in Northwest Ohio for football this year. And I got to say right off the bat, completely love what you said about trying to break the stigma of Ottawa Hills, because I I know for a fact, sitting in press boxes, covering Ottawa Hills at different times, having them against games like Calvert or against Northwood, uh, some of the RT like Swan and stuff like that in the air, you hear even press people talking about Ottawa Hills that way. So I- I'm just curious, like what about breaking that stigma of the entitled rich kids who are just happy to have the nice uniforms, the nice field, and then go about their lives the rest of the week outside of Friday night. What about that stigma was so important for you to break? Because you you've done it in a big way. I mean, I'm looking at your guys' record. It's not just been wins. It's been dominant performances from top to bottom. Yeah, well, honestly, it started when those guys, the juniors and the seniors, when they were in junior high, I coached those guys. I was their head football coach, myself and Greg Neuendorf, who's still on my staff now, too. He's my top assistant. We had those guys in junior high, and honestly, we was beating teams like how we did this year. We were beating teams back then. So I knew that this was a really special group. And on top of it, it just made everything that I wanted to do, it made it that much easier because I know that those those guys that I had back then and that are obviously juniors and senior now, they're blue-collar guys, man. Summertime, like all those dudes work. Their parents make them work. The one kid, he worked at a factory. You know what I mean? Another kid, he cut grass. He cut 15 lines every week so he could, his dad would make him pay for his, um, his own summer football camps, Jack Perosi. So it's just like those guys have a blue-collar mentality. I already had a blue-collar mentality anyway, and they just fed into it even more. And it's just like I told them, I said, the harder you work, the more you'll be rewarded. And it won't be right exactly when you want it, but it'll reward you at some point during the season, some point during the year. And their reward is we keep winning. You know what I mean? We find ways to win. Last week wasn't pretty, but we found a way to win where if that was a typical Ottawa Hills team from in the past, they would have folded and they wouldn't have came back and won. But those guys, they like, Coach, we got it. Don't even worry about it. We got you. So 
that's the mentality. Like it was a matter of changing their mindset from day one. And I did. And I told them, I said, last year's team, they set the standard, but we have to raise the bar on top of that. Cause it's not just good enough for me just to win a tag championship, host a first round game and we move. I, I said, that's not, that's not what I want to do. I said, they made history when they hired me as a coach being African-American, you know what I mean? Things like that. So it's just like, let's keep making history. So let's make history every week. So and we went out to prove that and do that. And that's why we beat teams the way that we did. Last week, we had never been past the second round. So it's like, yo, let's make history. Let's do it. And that was like something important to them and to me to separate us from all of the other Ottawa Hills teams. Because this is the best Ottawa Hills team in football history there. But on paper, we got to make sure we take care of business on the field, too. So on paper, we can actually say that. Talent-wise, I know that this is the best Ottawa Hills football team, absolutely, without a doubt. But we still got to go out every Friday night and prove it. And those guys did. Like I said, they buy in. Anything you tell them to do, those guys are going to do it. They'll run through a brick wall for them, and I'll do the same thing for every one of those kids. I love all of those kids dearly, and they love me the same way, and that's why they play so hard for them. Talking with Ottawa Hills head football coach Brandon Carter here in the Frickers Zoom room on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. And we were uh, kind of reminiscing a little bit before we uh, got rolling because you've had many different uh, coaching stops over the years across football, basketball, and baseball. And we talked about how mm-hmm. you were actually my freshman basketball coach at Northwood back in the day. So who, who are some of these uh, coaches you've uh, worked with that have uh, impacted and helped you the most? Um, well, I'll start with my staff, um, my my co-D coordinators and like my my um, assistant head coach, Greg Neuendorf. He's one of my best friends. We've been coaching baseball together there. We coached junior high football together. Excellent football coach. He was a head coach for 17 years. He was an assistant, actually, at Hilliard Davidson when they won a state championship and they beat Ted Gann in Glenville hmm. down there some years back. So extremely amount of football knowledge he's super smart i can lean on him for anything he's definitely make help make the transition smoother uh brian george brian was a ex uh defensive coordinator at university of toledo he's been at indiana he's been at a lot of different places his son aj graduated last year and is playing linebacker at columbia another excellent football mind so as far as the the mentoring it's like they're mentoring me, but they still allowing me to be myself and not overstepping their boundaries, if that makes any sense. But it's just like they have so much football knowledge that I would be crazy not to tap into it. And like our offensive line coach, Scott Anderson, he coached at Iowa and Northwestern back in the 90s. So another brilliant mind where I pick his brain about offensive things and run game and stuff like that. So it's just a matter of utilizing the resources that you have and making sure that you have good people around you that are good men and good teachers. And we have that outside of the coaching staff, um, like coach Pinkle, I played at Toledo. He's a big mentor. I still keep in touch with him all the time. Um, Matt Eberflus, he was my position coach at Toledo. He's a Chicago bears head coach right now. I learned a lot from him, a lot of the game, a lot of attention to detail, things like that. I learned a lot from him. Doug Pearson, he was my high school coach. He gave me actually my first high school coaching job. So without Doug, I wouldn't be here today. Uh, Greg Dempsey, I uh, played for him when I was at start, along with Coach Pearson. He was our D coordinator. 
he's a good friend and a good mentor. He's always there if I need some things from him too. So like those are like some of the guys who have definitely helped me get to the position that I'm in right now. And they definitely, like I said, I mean, couldn't be greater guys that I had an opportunity and a chance to learn from. Those guys are excellent. Uh, well, first off, that's an incredible <laughs> coaching pedigree there. My goodness. Um, I, I was going to have a follow-up to that, but I kind of I got stymied that list of coaches. So I, I, I will say, in particular, with just that variety and range mm. of coaching experience that you're able to lean on, you're able to take lessons from, from your own playing days, from your own coaching days, and just across the board. What are some of those lessons in particular that have really stood out to you that you're now instilling in this Ottawa Hills program? Cause again, 11 and one message has been received. It, it's working. <laughs> Whatever the, those things right. are it is working, but uh, is, is there something in particular that you kind of remember or like piece of advice you got from one of those coaches primarily about the coaching aspect about working with the kids that really stands out to you and you reflect on quite a bit. Well, it's a couple of them. The first was from Doug Pearson and it was my first day coaching, man. Mind you, I'm 23 fresh out of college, just finished playing arena football. And honestly, I had no clue about coaching. I had never coached before. I knew I knew, you know, the game cause I played it, but and I asked him, I'm like, coach, like, how do I get these kids to listen to me? Like, how, like, why would they listen to me? And he was like, Brandon, just be yourself. And I just kind of took that and ran with it and been myself ever since. And everything has kind of worked this way out, you know? So that was one thing. And then um, Coach Eberflus, when I was at Toledo, he said, whatever you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. So those were two things that stuck with me and I still use and look back today where it's just like, yes, you can't stick a dollar into the vending machine and try to buy something that costs $2. You know what I mean? You didn't put enough in there. So you're not going to get more out of it because you didn't put enough in there. Same thing with everyday life, same thing with football, same thing with your family, like all of that stuff. So it just carried over into my everyday life. Talk with Ottawa Hills head football coach Brandon Carter here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Let's talk a little about that win last week against Colonel Crawford. Uh, in your uh, in your quotes uh, from after the game, you invoked one of Matt's uh, favorite guys in Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit, with uh, the fakes on special teams, some onside kicks as well. What can you kind of just say about your team uh, from getting that win last week against uh, Colonel Crawford? Well, we showed a lot of heart. We showed a lot of composure and a lot of grit because like I said, anybody else could have folded right there. And our guys, they just pretty much like looked each other in the eye and said, I got your back and we'll get this done. Uh, as far as, cause one of the reporters, he asked me too, he was like, do you play poker? And I said, yeah. He was like, man, you're a gambling man. But my thing is this, I've always been the type to where I would rather go down being aggressive and using everything that I have instead of looking back on and not doing it and then regretting like, man, what if we would have did this or what if we would have tried this? It might have changed the momentum of the game. So I'm not afraid to go for it at any time, run a fake or do anything. And on top of that, it keeps the defense where the other team, it just keeps them on their toes, but it keeps them off balance too because they never know what we're going to do or how we're going to do it. 
So that's huge for us. And speaking of that, so I'm I actually I played not to change the subject, but I played arena football with Nick Sirianni, the Eagles coach. And oh, we okay. just kind of have the same personality because he goes for it all the time, too. <laughs> You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just funny, like, looking at the games. And I'm actually a big Eagles fan, too, anyway. So just watching the games, it's just like we kind of have, like, the same personality as far as going forward no matter where we at on the field and never even thinking about it twice and never flinching. So, yeah, and the kids love it, too, because they like, yo, we know Coach believe in us and the confidence in us that we're going to get this done. So they kind of rear up and gear up a little bit even more when we do it. So it's good. All right, so a couple things. Just casually name dropping Nick Sirianni is okay. You know, that that may actually be the strongest flex we've had so far this season on the sports huddle. <laughs> just a bit, just a random. Oh yeah, Nick Sirianni. Yeah, no big deal, kind of thing. But uh, so that's number one. Number two, I love the no risk it, no biscuit attitude. Yeah. I, I think that's a great mentality. And uh, I guess my question now, getting those statements out of the way. But when you look at that type of aggressive play, it's really not something you see at the high school level, especially Northwest Ohio at all. It's a lot of very conservative play. You'll see teams that are just a little bit past midfield. They're still punting the ball kind of situation. Do you feel that really gives you an advantage? Because like you said, it keeps the defense on its toes. But more importantly than that, you're one of the few programs in the area that they will take all four downs. They're not going oh, to give it up. They actually, you're giving yourselves another opportunity. Is that a is as big of an advantage for you guys as it seems, at least from my perspective? Yeah, absolutely. And especially as a play caller, because I'm the offensive coordinator too. So I know that I got four downs to get 10 yards. So I don't just have to map out this series like okay I got three downs to get 10 yards and I got to be conservative or run certain things like I know that I'm going to have four downs to be able to get 10 yards so that kind of keeps everything in the play as far as play calling so that's why I said there's no no way for you to really be able to key in on what we're doing especially down in distance because we're going to go for it on fourth and down on fourth down a lot of the times anyway so it's just like it doesn't matter whether I run or throw the ball on third down because we're going for it on the next down anyway. So all of that stuff kind of plays into plays in the factor. And then if they're doing a a self scout and trying to analyze what we do on certain downs, it just doesn't, it's never the same because like I said, we're always for the most part going for it on fourth down. So it just breaks tendencies too, as far as what you're calling on that play, because you can either be, more aggressive because you know you're gonna run another run another play the next down, or it's like we don't need to get all of it right here because we know we got another down to do it. So it just keeps everything, it keeps them off balance, you know. Talking with Ottawa Hills head football coach Brandon Carter on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Looking ahead to Friday night, you guys take on a Bluffton team, very dominant, especially on that defensive side of the ball, had a stretch of games where they weren't allowing a single point. So obviously a very good defense. What are some of the big things you have seen from this Bluffton team and getting ready for Friday? Well, let's be honest. They wouldn't be a good team if they're still playing right now. All of the teams that are left in the playoffs are well-coached, very good, excellent teams, and they execute well. Um, so we know that we're, we're going to be in for a tough fight. Um, we just got to make sure our game prep, which it has been so far, knock on wood, it's been great this this week so far. We just got to make sure we have another week of practice. Um, they do some stuff that 
it's not like we haven't seen it before. Um, we just got to go out and play football. And I tell our guys this. I told them at the beginning of the year, I said, if we don't beat ourselves, then we can beat anybody that's on our schedule, that's in our region or in the state of Ohio in our division. And they believe that. So it's just a matter of us going out and executing our game plan and making sure that we don't beat ourselves. Bluffton's a great team. Like I said, they're well coached. Um, I know that it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be probably one or two plays that decides the game. We just got to make sure we're on the fortuitous side of that end and make sure that we put ourselves in position to be able to win the game. So, but like I said, it'll be, it's going to be a dog fight. Absolutely. I mean, last week was a dog fight and this week and going forward, if we're blessed enough to keep going forward, it will be every week. Cause like I said, I mean, now it's a matter of talent for talent. Now it's going to come down to coaching different strategies, different things, different uh, moments, taking advantage of different things. So we know that we got to be good. We definitely have to be good. But likewise, they have to be good to beat us too. So we know that they can't be turning the ball over too and giving up some extra possessions on offense because that'll benefit us and likewise. So we just got to play Ottawa Hills football, man, clean Ottawa Hills football. And like I like our chances against anybody in the state of Ohio. Well, Coach, I was going to say, what's the message for the team and the fans on that one? But I think you just kind of hit the nail on the head there. Just got to play Ottawa Hills football. <laughs> but I, I guess I'll close with this for my, my final question for you. It's You, you mentioned okay. historic season already. Mm-hmm. History, history-setting season. Precedent-changing coach with yourself at Ottawa Hills. If there is another message besides going out and playing Ottawa Hills football on Friday night, what would you say to it? I mean, just reviewing it again, uh, deepest run in postseason for Ottawa Hills. You guys are at the neutral sites now. I mean, that's what, what could possibly still be said for this Ottawa Hills program for anyone that might be sleeping on you guys still that, that they should be aware of. I would say tune in Friday night. I would Definitely say tune in Friday night. Our guys are still hungry. Um, they expect to make it to the next round. Now, obviously, Bluffton's going to do everything they can to stop us from doing that. But the bar has been raised. The expectation has been set. And these guys know that it's a special group and we have to cash in with them. And they're not just happy, you know what I mean, with a, with a seat at the table. Like, we coming in to eat. Like, these guys are hungry, man. They have been working their butts off all year. And like I said, the chip on the shoulder keeps getting bigger because nobody besides a couple of people outside of our program believe that we can win every week moving forward from here on out, even last week. So it's just like a matter of us using that as fuel, keep pushing forward and keep setting the bar as high as we can. We want to make Ottawa Hills a football school. That's what I told them when I took the job. I've coached baseball there. We had a a lot of success in baseball. Basketball is always good. Soccer has been phenomenal for straight uh, state semifinals uh, up until this year. So it's like everybody thinks about every other sport but football. And I told them when I took this job that I want people to think about football first when they think about Ottawa Hill. So we have the opportunity to do this with the run that we're on this year and people to take us serious in football. And that's my goal is to make sure that people never forget us after they play us when we play them on Friday nights. This has been Ottawa Hills head football coach, Brandon Carter. Coach, thank you, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Bluffton. Thank you, guys, and appreciate you for having us on. Go Green Bears.
with that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk NFL action and some other things going on in the world of sports here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. NWO has news. We are excited to announce the newest addition to the NWO family. Dr. Ryan Tran is a local who was raised in the area, trained by the Cleveland Clinic, and has returned to his hometown to care for your whole family, just like he does his own. Dr. Tran is now accepting new patients of all ages in our Tiffin office. Make your appointment today to experience the benefits of family care by a hometown professional. There's only one place to go. NWO. Saying goodbye to summer is less sad when you realize your favorite fall flavors are here at Bigby Coffee. Celebrate the return of our sweet foam pumpkin cold brew, pumpkin spice latte, and our caramel apple cider. Pair these delicious fall sips with our maple waffle sandwich or pumpkin muffin. Available for a limited time at one of the two Big B Coffee locations in Findlay. One on Trenton Avenue and one on Tiffin Avenue. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios, ESPN, 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you once again this Wednesday night. Big thanks, of course, to Kevin Harris from Mean at Midfield, the comeback awful announcing, Lori Rombach with Calvert Volleyball, Obal Loudon head football coach Brian Calatrulio, and Ottawa Hills head football coach Brandon Carter for all joining us tonight on the show. If you missed any part of our show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFB.com. Click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well. And we might not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials tonight and get their sirloin steak dinner. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. Find them online at Frickers.com. And Matt, just a few things in the world of sports I want to touch on before we bid adieu for today. In the NFL... So many teams are in the five and three to like three and five range, all kind of right in the between kind of the middle of the pack. Which uh, which are the NFL teams that you would confidently say at this point in the year you are, I guess, they are good enough to where you're like, okay, they are a team I actually believe can at the very least win a playoff game or two. Uh, pass. <laughs> exactly. Um, Honestly, I don't know. This is one of those weird years in the NFL where there, it actually seems like there's real parody that's out there. And so, I mean, really, I, I to, to answer your question, I think uh, the five and three teams, I, I think any of them could legitimately win a playoff game or two. I think most of them could make a run. But by the same token, I think we could be talking about them being five and 12 just as easily as them being 12 and five. It's that th- this is a very strange year. I mean, outside of the Panthers and Cardinals and the Bears to some extent, I-, I really don't see a team that's bad, like just fundamentally to their core bad kind of situation. So I don't know. That that's that's a tough question. Uh I will say for the three and fives, I, I think my Tampa Bay Buccaneers need to hang it up. Um you let 470 yards and five touchdowns to a rookie quarterback happen. I don't care if it's CJ Stroud. No, that's hang it up. Go get a top 10 pick, figure it out and figure it out with a new coach next season. So allow me to join the chorus for you of Brandon Staley of get him out. Get him Todd out. Bowles, get him out. <laughs> get him out. I'm done. I'm done. But uh, no, in terms of actually answering your question, 
honestly, I really think any of them. I, I mean, even within the Vegas Raiders now, I mean, Antonio Pierce comes in, completely changes the mindset of that team. They win a very decisive game. Granted, it's not against a tough opponent by any means, but they're still in the thick of things. I mean, it's I, I, it's a tough call this year. The, the NFL is so incredibly balanced. In Major League Baseball, we'll still uh, we'll still of course have free agency coming up here shortly. But uh, managerial moves uh, have already started to take place. Obviously, and the Guardians have themselves a new manager, but Craig Council kind of was under the radar. Uh, he was, of course, the manager of the Brewers. All signs had pointed to him going to the Mets, and then he pulls a 180 and just kind of undercuts the Cubs and comes in as their new manager as they'll uh, they'll get rid of David Ross, who was a big uh, big part of that 2016 team uh, for for the Cubs. So that was you know not the easiest guy to relieve of managerial duties. What what are your thoughts on what we've seen you know so far in uh, some of those moves? Uh, not really surprising. I mean, you go from established people with um, Tito Francona to Stephen Vote Vote Vot. I'm trying to figure out still how to say his name. It, it's Vote. It is Vote. So I, I mean, I think that's a good move. He seemed like he was a very fast rising up and comer in manager circles. Um, and there is something about catchers that just inherently they turn into better managers than other position players historically. And Stephen Vote, good track record. Um, I think it's a good fit. I think um, I know there are a lot of people in the Cleveland area that were kind of calling for like Gabe Kepler or someone like that, maybe someone with a little bit more credentials and a little bit more background, but I, I think votes a good fit. And for council, I mean, look, the, the Cubs clearly feel that they're a team that's just a managerial piece away going after someone in division Yes, he was going to be out of contract anyway, and it kind of seemed like they were going to be moving on from him. But the fact that he went to the brewer from the Brewers to the Cubs kind of tells me that the Cubs are they they feel like they might be ready to play with some live ammo again, as it were. And I think it's a smart pickup. I really do. I, I think it's a solid pickup for them, and it should uh, bode well for that pitching staff they have there because it seems like Council's really been able to develop that Brewers team over the last few years and. Uh, there, there's some good young pieces in Chicago that I think he'll do some good work with. Well, and you look at, I know the Cubs still do have to kind of rearrange their roster, see if they're going to be able to keep Stroman. They're going to be able to get back Bellinger after his uh, kind of bounce back year. They were a mistake or two away from beating the Diamondbacks earlier on in the postseason. So they theoretically could have flipped places with the Diamondbacks very easily, depending on how things had shaken out. Oh, sure. Oh sure, I mean that's they they're uh, they're a good program. They they have done some good things. They have obviously got good pieces in place. They got people that you can build around. I think Bellinger having a bit of a rebound year if they're able to retain him is a good piece going forward. It's just again million dollar question of what they can and can't keep. But I think Brain and Craig Council shows the seriousness of the Cubs that we're not getting another you know, mid to, mid to late 2000s version of the team where they just kind of seem lost in the woods hoping to try and land something. It's that This is a good, a, a good manager hire for them, a good show of what type of team they want to be going forward. I don't know what's about to do it for us here tonight. Big thanks to Kevin Harris, me on midfield along with the comeback 
and awful announcing Lori Romback, Calvert volleyball coach Hopewell Loudon head football coach Brian Calatrulio, and Ottawa Hills head football coach Brandon Carter for all joining us on the show tonight. And of course, don't miss our coverage of high school sports coming your way this weekend. Friday night, we'll have coverage of Calvert Volleyball. They'll be in the state semis where they will take on Canton Central Catholic. We'll have that on Classic Hits 96.7 on Friday. Then on WFOB on Friday, we'll continue our coverage of Hopewell Loudon playoff football. They'll be in the regional semifinals taking on Patrick Henry. Matt Com and Tom Grind will have the one from Bowling Green. That'll be Friday night just before 7 o'clock on WFOB. And then Saturday night, we hope to have more coverage of Calvert Volleyball. If they win on Friday, they would then play for a state title on a Saturday. We hope to have that one at around 5 o'clock on Saturday if Calvert is able to win on Friday. And stay tuned in on Classic Hits 96.7 as we will be joining the Toledo Rockets in progress in their matchup against Eastern Michigan. We'll have coverage from the Glass Bowl momentarily. But for my broadcast partner, Matt Common, this is Lance Morris signing off from the Frickers Studios for the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios. We'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for listening.